0: Hello and um, what's this week's Sports on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxson and uh, we're here talking all things sports in Salford. I'm joined by the runner-up in the I'math Young Journalist of the Year Award. It's Jane Sweetman. How's your week been, mate?
1: Yeah, great week, Rob. I think we're all a bit devastated, aren't we, about uh, the results of the European Championship Finals. Alas, we didn't win, but we're back on recording sport in analysis this week and I can't wait to break it down with you over the next
0: hour. Yep, yeah, we're going to be talking uh, football now, James. We're going to talk about Salford City, our local uh, side. They're back in uh, pre-season training. Uh, and it's uh, you know, good that they're getting back to action and hopefully starting soon. I mean, absolutely. A
1: 3-0 win over Atherton. It's a fantastic base to build around. Everybody knows that pre-season is a great time to get yourself in order for the upcoming season. And I believe we have an interview with the manager as well, don't we,
0: Rob? Yeah, it's uh, Gary Bowyer, the manager. Uh, commenting after their 3-0 you know, win uh, against Atherton
2: got for the first run out of pre-season apart from the obvious with the lovely british summer weather how did you find it uh no it was really good um first and foremost it was great to have fans back in the, in the ground and uh you know good to obviously uh, meet some of the, the Salford fans so that was a really good positive for us um and the game itself i thought you know first half the the lads have. uh put a real good effort in at the end of a very long week um, and they've worked hard during that week so we were pleased with, with, their, with their outcome and obviously to get Ian Henderson off already, uh, already with two goals is uh, terrific I thought um, Josh Morris showed you what he's going to be like for us, um, not just in his general play but his delivery from set play so to score two goals from set plays in the first game's very good um, delighted with Liam Shepherd, the way he's come in and, and performed and, and he's he's settled in ever so well and he just showed you what a really good player he is today and, and then the other two new boys as well, Matty Lund did terrific for us and um, Conor McElhenney in there so pleased with the first half and everybody coming through um, without any injuries or any soreness and so that was good and then second half there was a mixture of obviously one or two trialists who we were having a look at and some of the other younger boys and you know, it was, uh, again, pleasing to get 45 minutes under their belt. And, and we score a wonderful goal with Brandon linking up with um, Lou Burgess. What's the condition of the lads like? We've not really, you know, seen too much of pre-season yet. Are you happy with the shape that they've come back in? They've looked after themselves over the summer? No, their fitness levels are tremendous. I think um, the close-season programme that they had... Um, You know, they've come back ever so well and and the the levels of of training have been very high already, so a real good foundation for us to build on.
0: So that was uh, Gary Bowyer uh, talking about the 3-0 victory. Uh, James, uh, good result for Salford City, especially the first game of the season. Ian Henderson, two goals for him and Luke Burgess putting them on a good footing with more games to come
1: absolutely i mean ian henderson a fantastic player and we have an upcoming game against derby
0: don't we that'll be difficult away from home but i believe we can get a result there if we play our best i do agree with that james there were some good imp- impressions as well on the field uh, josh morris he's a new signing for salford Spe- set piece specialist james uh, two set pieces from him uh, with with a difference in in the game and you know i think if you have a good specialist in that area it makes all the difference
1: Absolutely. I mean, a good spot kick take. I mean, or a free kick take. It's fantastic to have it. Builds a little bit of a little bit of a consistency within the team because you know he's gonna be the man to take it, don't you? Someone you can rely upon. So it's fantastic that they've got him in the side.
0: Yeah, they've uh, they had a game also against Oxford United uh, behind closed go- closed doors and lost two one James. Probably disappointing for Salford, but in these pre-season games, it's not necessarily about the winning. It's more about getting fit and going through the processes.
1: And most definitely, Rob. I mean, ultimately, the game is meaningless. It's just building blocks to play with for the next season. You need to you know, play as many players as possible. Work out who's playing well in the team. Play with the formation a little bit. and Just work out your, your tactics for the next season. So
0: I don't think it's much to worry about. Yes, we would have liked to have got a win, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, two fixtures to come. They've got Derby County at home on the 24th of July and and Curzon-Ashton away on the 27th of July. Two different sides there, James. Derby County managed by uh, ex-Man United, Wayne Rooney, will be a big challenge.
1: Yeah, most certainly. I mean, it'll be a bit of a grudge match, won't it? Well, I don't know if grudge match, it'll be more so of a friendly, really, Well, when you look at the Manchester United links there with Wayne Rooney managing Derby and, of course, Solford having the links to the likes of Gary Neville and Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt, etc. But I think it'll be a good game. They're going to be tough to beat. But as I said earlier, I think there's a chance we can get a result there. And the other game, I
0: think I think that's probably the more winnable one, isn't it, Rob? Is I think that's indeed the one. Curzon Ashton away, they'll, they'll be looking at obviously putting scores on both of these teams. Um, looking forward to the season, uh, James. Last season was success; they won, they won a, the Papa John Trophy. Uh, this season, looking for more.
1: Yeah, most certainly. I mean, that was a fantastic victory for Salford, but there are a team that's you yeah. know progressing so quickly. That they're just going to want to have more and more and more success. They're so hungry. And that winning mentality is something that's extremely real for them. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they went up this season. I mean, who says that they can't win the league? I will not put it past them by any stretch of the imagination. And see, Seasol just picking up more and more silverware as they go along.
0: Yeah, because that's what it is. I think this team, uh, you know, with with the class of 92 behind them, they know what the culture should be. And, and being at Man United all that time, they know how to play football, so... You know, coming into the Salford City the Club, they managed to bring that uh, composure and that culture from United into, into Salford City, which makes a big difference. Obviously, this this team has gone places, uh James, they've won they've won leagues, they've, they've started that journey up the footballing uh, pyramid, and, and that's you know fantastic for them and the city.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at Salford, yes, they're a League Two side at the moment, and the players might not be, you know, Premier League quality or whatever. But there's six people involved with that club who are you know, amongst the elite players in the world. I mean, the Paul Scholes, the David Beckham's, the Gary Neville's. At one stage, they were the greatest players in the world. So that mentality will help bring these players on. They'll forever be wanting to impress players like that. And it's fantastic. It's just a recipe for success.
0: Do, do you see Salford kind of Premier League maybe in the next sort of five to ten years? Maybe, or is that too soon? I think that's definitely too soon. I don't necessarily see them as Premier League but if they made
1: it to the championship within the next five, ten years, that wouldn't shock me at all. And in fact, I think they'll be in
0: League One within the next five to ten years. And that'd be amazing, really, for for the club and the fans, because obviously they've been on this journey, aren't they, through the different leagues and, and to see the club grow in such a sort of quick time as well. It, it's 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 interesting to see what happens in the next couple of seasons because obviously you want to be successful, you want to continue to be successful and grow. But all good clubs, it's all about structure and, and building on, on a firm base. And you want that to happen in, during this time.
1: Yeah, most certainly. I mean, you can't go the whole way just because you've got six legends in your corner, can you? But as the players begin to gel more and more, it's bringing more and more quality into the side. I think Salford's becoming a bit of a team that people want to play for. So around that sort of level, they're going to attract all the best players because they want to be at Salford. So they've got all the tools in place to be able to go a really long way. And I think I think ending up in the championship within the next 10 or so years is a realistic target. I mean, yes, it's going to be difficult to get there and right now they don't have the squad. but I think they'll go up to League one and more and more players will want to join them. And yeah I see them as a championship side in the not too distant future
0: it's going to be interesting to see what happens with with Salford City James and we'll be talking about it on the sports zone on Salford City Radio every week but let's talk about our other another club in the area Manchester United uh, it's been the off season uh, some of the players have represented England and other other uh, countries in sort of the Euros and the the Copper America uh, so it's been busy really not been have much chance to rest up really no, not at all. I mean, the players are run ragged, aren't they, with
1: international duty? But you've got to settle back into pre season now and work on the club stuff, Rob. I mean, you personally, do you get more excited during the Euros? Or are you more excited, you know, to get back to, you know, as some people would say, the real stuff of that, you know, the league stuff?
0: Oh, yeah. I think I think obviously, with Man United. It's it's more it's more about. You know, the club football, we, we've all grown up on, on Man United being, the you know, the best club in the world and, and England being a kind of a bit of a sideshow. Uh, the roles have kind of flipped since uh, England got to the, the Euros, which helps the country because obviously there's been a lot going on in, in, in the world in the last 18 months. So I think England's success has got people sort of through this dark period. But now, you know, with the Premier League about to start, Premier League grounds, full to capacity, the atmosphere, the energy is going to be there as well. Players who haven't played in front of a crowd for the last, sort of a proper crowd for the last 18 months will now have that ability to do so. It's going to give them extra 10% uh, effort and commitment to the cars and it's going to hopefully provide magic moments and better games uh, to enjoy, James. Because I think some of these lockdown games where there was no crowd, it it suffered. I think players suffered because they need that, don't they? They need that energy uh, to give them that 10%. Most certainly. I mean, teams like Liverpool really struggled, didn't they? Because that mm. Anfield crowd, them
1: that boost, and maybe that's why they struggled more so than you know, we thought they would in the league. I mean, they were the favourites to win it off the back of the previous season, and then they completely capitulated this year. Yes, I know they ended up third, but I think there were stages where they were like in eighth place or so. And That's not what we expected off the back of such a good season, but it's good to have crowds back. They're bringing such a better atmosphere towards the game. And if we look at what's to come now, I mean, Manchester City this week, and it's a fantastic excuse for me to talk about it, but they will be playing Preston. It's an <laughs> exciting game. I mean, Preston are going to give it all they can handle on Tuesday night. So, I mean, the game will be happening right now. Obviously, we're recording this on the Sunday. So, as of right now, the game between Manchester City
0: and Preston will be occurring. What's your prediction role for that one? I think Preston will want to get into City early. Uh, Man City, it kind, of, it kind of depends on what kind of team they put out the have some good players in in the youth kind of uh, department there, and they will need to gain experience. And taking on the likes of Preston will give them that. Um But I'm thinking sort of Preston battle hardened. I know it's early in the season, uh, but obviously they'll have a few experienced pl- pros in in that team, won't they, James? So I'm thinking that Preston will give City a game, um, but I think City will probably come out of top at the end. Uh, it's three one. What about you? Well, I'm going to completely disagree. with a 5 nil win for Preston. I'm, j- I'm joking. I mean, it's going to be a
1: tough game for Preston, isn't it? I mean, Manchester City, a very, very classy side. I mean, you're hoping if you're Preston that they'll play a slightly weaker side, Manchester City. So it'll give them an opportunity to win the game. But Preston are on a good run of form at the moment. I mean, they've just come off a victory against Celtic this week. So, I mean, they're on a bit of a legend killer's run, killing off Celtic. They've got Manchester City, and then we've also got Manchester United mm. at the end of the week. You know, I'm going to completely biasly pick Preston, but I think the Buckies would uh, would pick Manchester City to win that. But moving on to Manchester United, of course, they've just beaten Derby, but they also have a game coming up against Preston on Saturday. How do you expect Manchester United to handle them? And if you were betting man, Rob, who do you think gets the better result against Preston? Would it be City or United? Or can Preston win one of those two
0: games? Um... I'm thinking United will get the better result. Um, Man City are a team. Obviously, they won the league last year, didn't they, James? So the pressure will be there. But I think with pre-season, it's kind of more about letting your youngsters play and gain experience. And Do we see Pep Guardiola sort of bringing them youngsters through with a you know the wonderful uh, sort of squad they have James does he does does he have the guts to to release these youngsters into that into the fold um, that's the big question.
1: It most certainly is and where do you think Pep Guardiola's head's gonna be at the moment? I mean last year was his year wasn't it to win the Champions League mm. with Manchester City and it didn't happen. So are they going to come back this season with a bit of a vengeance or do you think they're gonna struggle? Do you think the confidence will be doing duly?
0: It, it'd be interesting to see because, obviously, Man City it's psychological, is it, really? Liverpool will come again. Man United have improved. And, and can they continue to play at that top level, at the very top level, and season on season? There's always dips in their in form and in confidence. And this Man City side, you can't take anything away from them. They are full of internationals, full of class players. But we, we've noticed at the very top of the Premier League... Winning has just become uh, like as easy as one, two, three, or A, B, C. It just happens. So if you drop a point, it could mean the difference between winning and finishing third. And that, and that's the kind of difference really that teams like United have to step up to that level. Where Man City are at that level, it's how long they can stay at that top level uh, and continue just to knock the wins out one after another after another without becoming sort of physically and mentally sort of uh, in the shade with it. What do you reckon?
1: I think you're completely right, Rob. I mean, you've got to keep your mindset strong, haven't you? I mean, Manchester City will be feeling nervous at the moment. They're feeling gutted. They'll be feeling a lack of confidence. But you've got to stay strong and you've got to be in the mindset, well, we'll just do it next time rather than, oh, we're never going to do it. Because there is that, you know, thing in sport where people struggle to cross the line, don't they? But they get it into rather when they get to that final... Oh, we're here, but we're going to let it drop. We're going to let it slip. We're not going to be able to do it. Manchester City needs to keep believing, keep believing that it's their time. And eventually they'll win one if they maintain that attitude. I mean, they've got all the class in the world. They've got one of the best managers. Maybe they've got one in Pep Guardiola that overcomplicates things a bit. I mean, that that was one of his big criticisms in the Champions League, was that he just overthought the whole thing. So hopefully this season, he doesn't continue to overthink and he can just play simple football.
0: Yeah, there is a thought behind that, James, because obviously the European Cup is the one that keeps the uh, uh, sort of uh, running away from me. They can't seem to get that one. So how how long does it before they start concentrating fully on that? Because obviously at the moment they've got enough in the tank to to be able to to win the Premier League last year anyway, uh, but this year might be tougher. So Pep would have might have to share his share his chips more evenly uh, in the in the uh, in the casino world of the Premier League. I mean, it's difficult to say, isn't it? I
1: mean, if you put all your chips in the basket of the Champions League, you could go out in the last 16. Mm. And then what do you do for the rest of the season? It's difficult, isn't it? And then you might be too far behind to catch up a Manchester United or a Liverpool or a Chelsea or I have you. But it's pretty obvious now that the pressure's mounting around Pep Guardiola and Manchester City to finally win that tournament. Mm-hmm. But if you really think about it, how long have they had to do it? Realistically, since they've become a top team, 12 years, something mm. like that. I mean, it's not like they've had that many opportunities. They've not had that many rolls to the dice. So there is a lot of time yet, because Manchester City now, with all the money that's pumped into them, they will get more chances.
0: It will be interesting to see what happens, James. Let's talk about Man United uh, and their new uh, signings. Uh, Jaden Sancho, uh, deal to be confirmed shortly, going through a uh, medical by the sound of it, James. What do you think he'll add to uh, the Man United uh, strike force?
1: I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. He's young, he's full of energy, he's superb on the ball. He absolutely bamboozles defenders. We're expecting an official announcement very soon. But I think he's an ingredient that can make Manchester United a Premier League winning side again. I think with him and the addition of Varane as well, that's very close to being done. I think Manchester United are coming more and more and more of the side of old. I think there's a really, really good chance we could have a brilliant season this year. I think the addition of Sancho Varane and also at Trippier is apparently in the mix as a potential signing. Mm. I think it's really good for the side. But what I want to ask you about Rob, is, we've obviously Varane coming in. I mean, you, I assume you team teaming up with Harry Maguire, and they're your two centre backs. Where does this put the other Manchester United centre backs? You know, where, how will they be feeling at the moment?
0: It's a good question, James, because the likes of um, sort of Bale Bailey, ba- ba- um, he's a good centre foot. He's good. He's a good centre half. He's strong. He's quick. Um, but unfortunately, he's he's got. Plasterboard for, for for ankles, he doesn't seem to be able to stay fit very long. To be fair, last season he did have a run of games. Um, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might be thinking to himself, you know, he could be back in the mix. Lindelof, pff, we, we, he's he's a, he's an average center half for me, he's not fantastic. He's, he plays international for Sweden, but is he top class? Probably not. Uh, I see Varane coming in to replace him. I think with Harry, I think Harry Maguire is he's, he's a world class. Um, centre-half, but he's not got pace. And, and I think you need pace around him to, to make sure that, you know, you compensate for his inability to run quick. And I think at the Oral, we saw that uh, they had stones around him and they had uh, a, a two decent sort of defended defensive midfielders as well and and he, and he managed to sort of, sort of close down the spaces around him which made him look even better so it will be interesting to see what Ollie does in that situation um if this veran is is very quick so he, he might be able to comp- compensate for maguire's uh, inability to run fast most certainly and with trippier would you rather have him in the side than Wambasaka? trippier or Wambasaka. I'm thinking. I think Wambasaka's a good player. I think he's he's good defensively. It's probably Wembasa. He's not got much going forward. Doesn't really have that extra bit of bit of magic, which you want your fullbacks to go on the outside and create things. He doesn't do that. But top class defender, and you and you kind of have to wonder what do you want your fullback to be? Do you want your fullback to be an extra winger, or do you want your fullback to be an extra defender? Because I think a lot of teams they look at the uh, you know the defenders and and the fullbacks as that extra sort of winger and and they, don't, they forget about the defensive responsibilities and um, and I think Wamba Saka is is a decent defender so I, I'd keep him in uh, instead of Trippier for me.
1: Well, certainly, and a player that we need to speak about this week is Harry Kane. And yes, the manager is saying that he's guaranteed to stay at Spurs, but. He wants to leave. Manchester City talks are apparently progressing. Mm. And, of course, we need to talk about this, Rob, because Harry Kane, for me, an amazing striker. But if he doesn't leave Tottenham soon, he'll see his career passing by. Look at Gareth Bale. He left Tottenham, and look what he went on to do at Real Madrid. He's won league titles there. Harry Kane is in a position where he'll go his entire career without a big silverware, without a big trophy, and it doesn't deserve that. He's far too talented. Rob, I mean, look what just happened at the Euros. He was heartbroken. I mean, at the World Cup as well, he struggled. That He might not get that big win on the international field, but he could get it for the club game, Rob. If he leaves to Manchester City, he's all but guaranteed to win a Premier League title. He's so good and he needs to go for me. He needs to leave if he wants to take advantage of his career because it doesn't last
0: forever. You're right, James. It doesn't last forever. Um, Harry Kane, could he be the next Alan Shearer? Obviously, Alan Shearer scores. 260 odd Premier League goals only wins a, a championship with Blackburn could that happen could could he could he sort of you know end up just winning one trophy uh, going to Man City different level in it of, of competition than what he's used to will make him a better player will help England because he'll be playing in pressure cooker games all the time how does he fit in that city uh, sort of process and, and formation? Is interesting because obviously we've got Sterling, you've got Mahrez, uh, you've got debarn you've got people around him who, who might give him the ball and be able to take advantage of that. So it will be interesting to see how we, how we, if he does manage to get to Man City, how he, how manages to kick on. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, will he? Will is he nailed on Man City? He's going to win the league next year? No, but. He's probably thinking more chance than any, unless he's thinking about moving abroad, which might be a thing, because that might help him as a footballer, because not many English players go abroad. Uh, It might help him become a technically better player.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, I think he's a fantastic player, Harry Kane. And you mentioned there, how is he going to fit into the Manchester City side? With Aguero leaving, does that give him an opening? to become City's number one striker. And how does he compare to Aguero? Could he play as well as he has? Because he's you know, a bit of a Manchester City legend now.
0: I just think he's a bigger unit than Aguero. Aguero's a bit nippier, isn't he? Around, around you know, a bit of a fox-in-the-box goal scorer for me, Aguero. Harry, Harry, Harry Kane is, is more of a, you know, big strong centre forward you ping balls up to and and he's got that in his game he's also got the you know touch of magic and can turn and shoot from 30 30 yards and score so he has got both sides of the coin which I don't think Aguero had I I always put Aguero down as a a sort of jack-in-the-box goal scorer uh, and and he did a lot with Man City so if Harry Harry Kane does go uh, to City then obviously he'll have to change his ways because Man City won't change a winning formula for him
1: yeah, most certainly not, Rob. I mean, Manchester City have been doing so well, but do they need to change things up maybe, I mean, to win
0: something like a Champions League? Well, I, th- I think I think the problem with Man City was, because yeah, obviously Guerrero was out injured for, out for a bit, they had Jesus, who's not pr- prolific enough for, for me. So it does make sense to get an out-and-out goal scorer in. But that changes the way they have to play, because there's a bit the way City played, they kind of rotated around it and it threats all over and that's caused problems defensively. So having Harry Kane in that, that team uh, will produce a focal point in that team. So it will be interesting to see what happens with Pep because obviously he's 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 a you know he's a he's a student of the game and he knows what's what works and what doesn't. So we'll have to see uh, what happens there with with Man City in the in the next season it's going to be exciting. We're going to be covering it all on the Sports Zone on uh, Salford City Radio. Right now we've got the boxing
1: and I'm joined by Paul Whiteside. And I think the biggest story of the week Paul is that the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder trilogy has been rearranged for October. Now Fury's getting a lot of criticism here because he claimed to have COVID-19 but he's been seen buying cars in Las Vegas members of his team like Joseph Parker have been seen out and about when supposedly 10 of them have had COVID-19. What's going on here? I mean, the rumours are that Tyson Fury was somewhat out of shape and needed more time to train. Do you believe that he had COVID? What's going on? I think the only person who's going to know whether he's got
3: COVID or not is Tyson Fury himself, isn't it? So he's only sort of lying to himself if if he is. Uh, It does seem a strange situation, you know, especially if he's been out doing this, that and the other. And, you know... I found it strange. If you've got COVID, perhaps just train on your own for for sort of ten days in your isolation, and you could probably still get away with a fight, couldn't you? But it just it just seems a real strange set set of affairs with what you've told me there. And you know, I've 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 been reading it on the news as well, and perhaps he is trying to buy a bit more time. But so the only person who knows that is himself. But this this to me all puts pressure on him. It's pressure that probably he doesn't really need. Um, you know, Deontay Wilder is—he's not really worrying about that. Is he? I mean, he'd be frustrated by the fight being postponed, but that gives him a bit more time to prepare. And as long as he's staying in good shape, the, the pressure is now on Fury because with all this going on in the background, it, it must weigh as a bit of a burden on you. So, I'm
1: not so sure about the whole situation really, but it does seem a bit of a bit of a bit of a mess at the moment. So, with that said, would you say that Deontay Wilder benefits more with this postponed day? I think so. I think so, just because of the, the,
3: the negative sort of press that, that is getting, that does add, That surely that'll add a bit of pressure to him, I know he's a man that doesn't seem to, to do pressure um, but but then again perhaps he does, he's had his old battles with mental health and things like that, so I think he's one of those that perhaps hides the pressure well but I think that'll be playing on his mind that now, if, if it is mind games and it has backfired I suppose you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt haven't you I mean, we, we don't know, we're only surmising and I know it, sometimes in life, you, you've got to give people the benefit of the doubt if you're not too sure. Have your I mini mean, you go on sort of labeling people this, that, and the other. But as we've said, if he's out there buying cars and sort of gallivanting around America, it, it, it doesn't stack up, does it? When you've been, you know, you said you've got you've got COVID 19 or whatever, you should be following. The, the, the protocol really, shouldn't you? So it, it does seem really strange and you can understand why people are upset. You can understand why Deontay Wilder was upset because it's a massive fight and it's a massive fight for both both boxers', boxers careers.
1: Most certainly. But moving on now to a massive heavyweight fight that's taking place this weekend. Joe Joyce versus Carlos Tacam, And it's probably the hardest fight of the juggernaut's career. Takham has been such a good operator. And something for me that he's lacking on his resume is that big win. He came so close against Joseph Parker, and then he was up on the cards as well against Alexander Pavetkin and Derek Chisora before he was knocked out in one punch. Is there a chance that Carlos Takham can upset the upper cart, Or is Joe Joyce that little bit too good, that little bit too fresh? Because for me, Joe Joyce is really close to securing a world title fight. Yeah, well, it's funny. It, both these
3: boxers are at a, at a stage in the career now, aren't they? I think Takam's about 40 and Joe Joyce is in his, his mid 30s. So they both hit like a crossroads in the career, aren't they? They're desperate for, for a win in this fight. Uh, going back to, to Joe Joyce, he's, he's on a good run. Isn't he? he's not. he's nowhere near his experience as Takam but he's had some good results recently some good wins particularly the win against Daniel Dubois I know there's a bit of controversy in that but as you said there with Takam Takam's probably got that big fight experience really hasn't been the people he's fought and come up short a few times against the likes of Derek Chisora Anthony Joshua and he's been knocked out in a couple of those fights as well hasn't he some of them have been quite big knockouts but you know the Povetkin fight as well and Joseph Parker on points but he's fought some massive names in the sport and and that's going to add to his experience. That that's, there's a lot of big fight experience there for him. Although he, he's lost a lot of those big fights, the experience is there. The, the sort of punch resistance is there. He's been in there. He's been in the in the trenches with some, some really good fighters. So nothing would probably really phase him now going into that fight with Joe Joyce. I mean, you could say Joyce is the is the is the, uh, the favourite for that. But I think Takam dangerous just because of the of the record he's got behind him and that and that experience he's got behind him. So this is going to be a tough fight for, for Joel Joyce. Probably the biggest test, as you say, of his career so far, but it's definitely an intriguing one
1: and the one I'm looking forward to. Well, certainly. I mean, if Joyce is to win this one, how far away is he from a world title shot? I think he, he,
3: he, your world title shot's more or less got to be there than I think for him. I mean, I don't think he's, 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 he's a million miles off now, isn't he? Like, as you we were saying before, the fight against Dubois, Dubois is up and rising fight and a very good one as well and that was a that was a good one to notch off for uh, for Joe Joyce so this one against Takam Takam's been a world title challenger on a number of occasions so if you can if you can impress in this fight you know come away with a really good knockout and really get people sort of sitting up and looking at you the, the world title fight could be his next one uh, or perhaps go into a world title eliminator next. But I think he'll it, be after a world t- the title next. And I think that's why he want to come out and, and, and perform at the weekend and really, really put a show on. You know, a big knockout that really does get the press talking. It's just on the television. People around the world start talking about it. Promoters start talking about it. And then, then that big fight could be made then for the world title fight. Definitely. Because those fights are definitely out there.
1: I mean, I think we both think that Carlos Takam has the edge in experience here, and he's got that big fight feel. I mean, he's beaten the, la- I mean, he's competed with the likes of Derek Chisora and Povetkin and Joshua and Parker, and so many big names. But he is getting older now; he's in his early forties. Has he got one last big performance to come?
3: I think so. I think so, definitely. As you mentioned there, that. It- we spoke about the guys he's been in with and, and let's have it right, he, he's been put down, hasn't he, and, 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 and dealt some, some big knockouts and he's a tough guy though, isn't he? He keeps coming back, you know, sometimes you see guys lose these fights and and then they're never seen again at that sort of level but, He's, he won't go away. He's been a real tough competitor. Come back and, and, and fought the likes of Joshua and, uh, and Chisora, Povetkin, as we just mentioned, and, and Usyk as well. So some big fights in there, and uh, this is going to be another one for him. Not Usyk, sorry, I, I meant Chisora. But um, no, some some big fights there for him that he's been in, and never shirked anybody. And he's on a bit of a roll himself since the Chisora victory, isn't he? He's he won some fights, and all oh, right against the lesser names. But yeah, I'd say he's got one more fight left in him definitely.
1: No, I think the whole of England was absolutely devastated last Sunday when we lost the European Championship Finals. But somebody who had even more to worry about was James De Gale when his health was robbed during the final. And unfortunately, his Olympic gold medal and his NBA have been stolen. Surely De Gale will be absolutely devastated.
3: Oh, that's really sad news. I didn't know that, mate, to be honest with you. You've uh, news to me tonight. It shows what I've been doing. this week. been very busy and not seen that, but... No, that's that's devastating news for He's been a terrific fighter, and you know, done an awful lot for the sport as well, has not he? In, in his community that he works in, you know, in the gyms around there. So that, that, it really is. And I mean, you wonder what goes through people's heads taking something like that. I mean, that that's that's his. He's won that. It's it's not anybody else's. You know, it's not going to mean anything to anybody else. You know, there's no price on that. Why would you want to buy a, a gold medal that somebody else has won? It's it, it just seems really, really strange. But it's the lows it's the that people sort of stoop to these days. I mean, you've only got a look, you just mentioned the football where and the sort of the violent scenes we saw at Wembley and the sort of mess that people made in, in London last week and various other cities. You wonder what a society is coming to sometimes, don't you? And it doesn't seem to be that sort of respect in society anymore for anybody and, you know, we, we could do a show on that. And it's, it's a sad state of affairs, really, James. And, you know, it's it's really unfortunate and what can you do about it? Let's hope that this, this person that's taken and gets caught and he gets his medals back because it's a tragedy if he it doesn't he's worked really hard for
1: them. Yeah, it's a massive tragedy and somebody who was also on the end of the tragedy at the weekend was Brian Castano in his unification match with Jamel Charlo. Most people felt the Argentinian did enough to become the undisputed world champion but the judges disagreed with one of them shockingly scoring the fight 117-111 at 111 to Charlo and the fight ended up as a draw. Now, Castano feels extremely robbed, as he should do, but for me, Jamel Charlo's be somebody who's been, I mean, I don't want to say overrated, because, of course, he's a world-level fighter, but I think there's a reason he's been missed off the pound-for-pound top ten. He's potentially had some, you know, favorable matchups to win his world titles, and do you think he's been a bit exposed this weekend?
3: Yeah, possibly. Possibly. We've seen that before with boxers, haven't we? In certain fighters' careers have taken that path, and... I don't think you could ever say a boxer had an easy run to a world title, but I think there's there's certain boxers over the years who man, it's difficult to say they've had it easy, but you know, perhaps the the road's not been as difficult and and as bumpy the, the other guys have had, you know, some some guys have had some real glorious runs, haven't they? So uh, so yeah, perhaps he did get a bit exposed at the weekend. As you said there, some of the scoring again was a bit, you know, vague for want of a better word and uh, that's disappointing it is disappointing but we see we talk about that a lot don't we we've not about it much recently but uh, he seems to rear, rear its ugly head you know far too often in the sport these days
1: yeah most certainly and now moving on to Josh Warrington he's at his rematch with Mauricio Lara confirmed to take place at Headingley Stadium in Leeds 10,000 tickets sold within the first day can Josh Warrington get the rematch can he win this one or is Lara going to be a bit too good for him again well, he's got the perfect stage,
3: uh, you know, for it. You know, fighting at the Stadium. I heard about that the other day, and uh, you know, that's that, that's terrific for him. You know, he's a rugby league and football supporter. Isn't he? I've seen him at the, the, the ground watching the rugby league team a few times in the in the city there in Leeds. they, they love Josh Waddington, don't they? He's a real sort of homeboy, and and that's the place the, the place to go. You know, it's he, a massive fight against Larry. You know, knockout last time. When was that fight? Was it? He's probably coming up for a good six months or so ago now, isn't it? He? So uh, he's had a lot of time to think about that, a lot of time to prepare for, for that. And, you know, before that, he was absolutely untouchable, Warrington. So, you know, Lyra really got his number. So if you were Josh Warrington, I mean, you know, looking at the character of the man, he's probably spent the last six months eating and sleeping and, and thinking about that fight, you know, about that rematch. And he's probably eating away. at And I think you'll see... As we do, often do in these matches, a totally different Josh Warrington, and this could make for a fantastic fight. And that that crowd at heaven, that Yorkshire crowd, and you know people from around the country that get there to, to Leeds promises to be a great night. That and that that lift that he gets there, and that buzz from that, that extra motivation could be could be what he needs. But that promises to be a one hell of a fight.
1: YouTuber Jake Paul has continued his onslaught of Canelo Alvarez, claiming in three years he will defeat the Mexican. He stated that he's a better fighter already than Billy Joe Saunders and Avni Yildirim, who Canelo has beaten in the past. Pretty ludicrous statements. I don't think he's necessarily anywhere near the level of uh, Billy Joe Saunders yet. There's only one way to find
3: out. It's a big statement to make, isn't it? I mean, I suppose a lot of it, Jake. depends on you know, how serious these, these fighters like Billy Joe Saunders and Canelo take him. If they are taking it serious and, you know, that they want to... I mean, I think if somebody called me out like that, I'd, I'd want to put things right. So, uh, he needs to be careful, really, because he could be lining himself up for uh, for a bit of a leather in there. But, you know, the, the guy's a confident man. Um, and if the, if the deals are struck and, you know, Canelo thinks that's the right fight for him, then we'll find out. But it, it does seem to be... A very ambitious thing to say, you know, Billy Joe Saunders is a, he's a really good fighter, a really good school fighter, so, uh, but Canelo, for me, is, and I think you all agree with me, is pound for pound one of the best fighters in the world, isn't he? One of the best fighters we've seen in the last, sort of, few decades, so um, it's a big statement to make that, and probably you would have to back up.
1: I mean, recently these YouTubers have been completely taken over. I mean, Logan Paul fought Floyd Mayweather a couple of weeks ago, and now there's another former professional boxer stepping out of retirement to fight a social media star and it's paulie Malinargy. he'll be stepping out of retirement to fight a tiktoker for those of you who don't know what tiktok is it's sort of like another form of social media and video making with the videos being slightly shorter than youtube clips but he's fighting a tiktoker called Corey b and it seems a bit bizarre this one paul i mean paulie malanarji i mean he finished his boxing career with a loss to sam eggington he then fought in the bell knuckle world and he lost to Autumn Lobov, who had a 14-win, 16-loss record in martial arts. And it sort of feels like his career's gone extremely downhill taking on this TikToker.
4: Yeah, well, no
3: disrespect to Sam Eggington, but um, he's a very good fighter, a very good British fighter. And, you know, I think he, he's at a level now. And Paulie Malignaggi, if you go back a few years, was at a, a real sort of world level. And he came down and lost that fight and, and, and got exposed. And, I think sometimes once a fighter's come to the end of his career, he can't really do things that he could do before, and it must be frustrating for them. And I'm not having a go to Sam Egerton, but you know, if he'd have fought um, fought Malinaj in his prime, he probably wouldn't have got near him. So it just shows you how far he's dropped down. I suppose it's it's natural with age as you get older, you, you lose your speed and you and other things, don't you? And your speed of thought and I your fitness. I think that. I suppose you, you, you do, don't you? But you're not in the same fight you were sort of 10 15 years ago. So Malinaji's got everything to lose there going in, into that fight. And if he's to lose that fight, you know, people say, Oh, you got beat to a, a, a tick or whatever it is. So it does seem a strange thing to take. But I suppose money sort of dictates things these days, don't no, it? It seems to do. Um, but yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of
1: these, of these fights to be honest with you, mate. No, neither am I overly. But the last piece of boxing news this week is that Floyd Mayweather has been back onslaughting Conor McGregor. Of course, the Irishman snapped his ankle last week. Floyd Mayweather has bought a Conor McGregor toy and snapped the ankle to resemble McGregor's injury. I mean, is it ever appropriate to mock a fellow fighter for an injury sustained in a fight?
3: seems a bit daft to me, mate. I think it's a bit daft from, from Mayweather. And, it seems a bit tasteless really I mean you think about some of the guys in the sport that we talk about and the classy boxers and the, and the respect that they have for others and you wonder sometimes what, what planet these guys are on I mean you shouldn't, you shouldn't be mocking somebody who's got injured and I know a lot of the time this stuff is, is there to sell fights, isn't it? There's trash talk and sort of the, the people love it, don't they get so many views on, on YouTube or, or wherever or on Twitter or whatever, but it does seem a bit tasteless to me and it's not something I'd like to participate in. So if that's what they sells the to fight for them, yeah, all well and good. But it does just leave a bit of a sour taste to me. Yeah,
1: most certainly. But that's all the boxing we have tied for this week. Now moving on, gonna throw it back to Rob for the
0: rugby. Yep, so let's talk Rubber League now. Paul and Solford Devils were victorious at weekend. They beat Wakefield 24 points to 14. Talk us through it. Yeah, it
3: was um, another another funny game, really, actually. You know, Wakefield got off to a, a decent start, and they're going 12 points then the nil up, and it looked to me like the, the, the confidence was sort of draining away from Salford, but you know, we got ourselves back into the match, and... Um, you know, Christian Inu, I thought, was, was tremendous again for us. You know, massive influence on the pitch. And so some good performances there as well. Chris Atkin got into the game. And two with here, Morgan Esqueray, who's been been terrific, I think, the last couple of weeks at the full-back. And we got ourselves back into that match. And that right edge, you know, where we've got CEO Inu and Paulie Paulie running down there. And I think Sebastian Iveyico as well in the middle. That, that, that size, I don't think Wakefield could deal with it. I think they really struggled to cope with that size, and and in the end we got on top of them and and turned the game on its head and turned the game round, you know, scoring uh, 24 points. And the game was on a bit of a knife edge, and Wakefield got themselves back in front with a penalty goal. But you know, that last sort of 15-20 minutes over came on with a real wet sail, I thought, and we're, we're, the, we're the better side and fully deserved the victory. And you know, it's a game really where if you go back a month or so, we probably would have got beat. So three wins from from our last four matches now is. You know, puts us in a bit of good form and I know people keep saying about the cascading under strength and things like that but salford has been through a lot of adversity the last few weeks with one thing and another um, I think the, the guys who've come in on loan have done a terrific job for us and you know, credit to St. Helens for helping us out there and Warrington and I think we, we've turned a bit of a corner and I felt that on, 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 uh, on Friday night against Wakefield so we've got some matches coming up now that we can uh, we can really build some momentum, but I thought that was a was, was a terrific performance in the second half against against Wakefield. A lot of mistakes in the game, I thought that need cleaning up. Both sides, you know, made a lot of errors, but uh, but no, there was definitely some uh, some real positives in that game.
0: Yep, yeah, I spoke to Richard Marshall uh, after the game, and this is what we had to say. All right, Rick, it's Rob. Hey, Rob. Congratulations on a big win tonight. Talk us through it.
4: Yeah, it was a it was a. There wasn't a lot between the two teams. I thought, you know, we were neck and neck at times. And I just thought we repelled Wakefield when they had a couple of opportunities, certainly before half time. And in the second half, there was a 10, 15 minute period where we defended our line pretty resolutely for four or five sets back to back. And and that's a really, that, that's testament to the fitness of the players and, and more so their attitude, obviously backing up last week. It was a similar team this week. And I think that's helped us. Uh, having, having some familiarity within the group has been good but our team spirit the Salford never say die attitude was there for all to see today
0: yeah it was a slow start 12-0 down and then Paulie Paula came on and changed the game it lifted everybody didn't it
4: yeah we probably made that change a little bit earlier than I would, I would have liked but I just thought Wakefield started like a house on fire and, and we just needed to to dampen that really and I thought Oliver Roberts and and Paulie yeah did a good job in that area Um and it allowed Ryan Lannon to do some work in and around the middle. Um, I thought our kicking game in the second half w- was a lot better than the first half, where we turned the ball over and we challenged the Wakefield to come off the line. They're an attacking team; they're a very attacking orientated team, and they certainly challenged us. But I thought our defence was outstanding today.
0: Yeah, you asked uh, questions of your squad midweek if they could back up with a big another big performance. Uh, did you get the answers you wanted? We did. I thought we
4: did. I thought they backed up uh, a performance uh, against an understrength Casford team this week with a different type of performance. I thought it was really dogged, really tough uh, performance, and and there wasn't a lot between it the two teams. And 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 we just yeah, the right edge probably won us the game with with a couple of plays and a couple of skills down that side. And Christian Iny was fantastic again for us.
0: Yeah, you grinded out the result in that second half. How important is it? Obviously, defence and the mental strength shown in that period.
4: That's the game. The, you know, the game is—is is can you concentrate for eighty minutes? Are you mentally strong enough to repel the threats that you're challenged with uh, over and over and over again? And yeah, and, and at the moment we're we're rising above all of that. Uh, we don't want to get carried away. We've had two really good performances. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play Leeds next, and that was. That was one of our worst, you know, alongside of the warrington So um, hopefully we'll get some boys back from suspension, injury, and COVID, and and we could be picking from strength.
0: Yeah, obviously we're on, we're on thirty thirty percent win ratio now. Uh, Midweek is after after the game. You know, whether it was a momentum shifter. Do you think today's win was?
4: I think last week did us, a, did, us a, did us a world of good. I thought last week just to score that many points, it just gives us the confidence in what we're trying to do. We didn't change the plan too much this week and, and executed it alongside uh, some some really good contacts, wrestle, and line speed. Uh, I thought our forwards were, were dominant and, and won us the game today. Um, and you know, and it's as simple as that. Really, it's not a, it's not a, it's not rocket science. Rugby league, you have just got to turn up for your mate, and we did that today.
0: Yeah. Any injuries to report?
4: Ryan Lannan got a knock, but managed to get back on the field. Uh, Andy Ackers and, and Morgan have got slight hamstring strains, but that's why we brought Andy off towards the end of the game. Um, I think that's pretty much it. They've got, I've given the weekend off. They've earned the weekend off this weekend, so we'll be back in on Monday firing on all cylinders.
0: Yeah, Leeds uh, next week, a big test.
4: Yeah, it is. Leeds are a quality team at the moment, playing really well up there in in the competition, and we had a poor performance at home against Leeds, so uh, ill-disciplined as well. So if we fix that up, let's see how good we are. Let's see how good we can be by by backing up against a you know a really quality team in, in Leeds. Be interesting this week again.
0: So that was Richard Marshall talking to himself, uh, Paul. And, and he obviously said he was obviously happy with with performance uh, coming from twelve nil down. Uh, shows how much mental strength this team has.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, as I said before, a month or so ago, I don't think we would have come back in that game. I think we'd probably got lapped, you know, because we, we did against Warrington and a few other teams around that time, didn't we? But, you no, know, since that Huddersfield game, we do seem to be a bit more resilient. I think defence has definitely improved. Goal-line defence has improved. You know, Wakefield had a bit of ball in that game and, and we, we kept them out, didn't we, for, for periods of the match? And I think with that, it's a lot more dangerous with the ball. I mean, before the the Castleford game, we were finding points scoring pretty difficult, uh, but we got 24 points again. I think Kristen Inu with with the boot, he's, he's been absolutely terrific. You know, to be going up in six points every time, or more or less every time, gives the team a boost. You know, six points is a lot more better than I know it's obvious it's a lot better than four, isn't it? And it just gives you that extra boost, that extra cushion. And um, I think the players are feeding off that. As I said before, Inu, you you hear him so much on the pitch. He's so vocal. He gives the, the more inexperienced players a lift. He's got a calming influence on them as well. I think he's a real leader. He's a real talisman in that side as well. And you've got him on the edge with Ken. So it's a dangerous, a dangerous edge for us. Paulie Paul, I thought, you know, did big minutes again. Um, some of his offloading was uh, was good at times. And and yeah, we gave Wakefield a lot to deal with in that in that second half. And Richard Marshall has every right to be to be pleased with that because he's worked really hard this season. and you know we've not got our, our just rewards. As I said before, we've had injuries. You know, COVID, suspensions. We've had. A, I know teams. Every team gets injuries, but we seem to have had so much bad luck with injuries. If you look at the, the amount of players we've got out at the moment, if we could name sort of a full strength side, you know, you know, we take some beating now. I think so. He's got to start looking up the table now, Richard. We're not that far behind Leeds in Castleford. We play Leeds at weekend as well. If we could knock them off, that would be tremendous. So, you know, it does. Whereas the season for me. We sort of drifting downstream towards that waterfall, wasn't it? And and now it's not. It, it seems like we can we can pull something out of the bag now. and We can start looking up. We're not in that big black hole looking up. Now, everybody looking down on us. We've we've got a bit of confidence now. And um, no, it's, it's pleasing to see because the players and the, and the coaching staff have worked really hard, and I'm glad they're getting some some reward now for it.
0: Yeah, um, Atahiga now is in the country. Now, Paul, so that'll be interesting to see what happens. We've seen him in the the kind of World Cup with Tonga and he looked like a good player with uh, Tuilola here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And obviously, we've got Leeds this week away. It's going to be a tough contest there. Yeah, it's a big gamble bringing him in because, I mean,
3: he doesn't know the league, does he? But I'm sure if he's coming for the for the right reason which I'm sure he is and he's got the right attitude we've done our homework on him and he'll be he'll be eager to impress and I'm looking forward to seeing him play I saw the photographs of him at the airport and he looks quite a stocky lad as well and you know well built built out he seems to be a good character and uh, you know he'll know some of the players he'll know two of all here so so yeah and he's an extra. An extra dimension to the team as well so we've not got the biggest squad in the world so I'm hoping that he's going to be going be a, a real find for us we've, we've, we've signed some gem players over the recent seasons and I'm hoping he's going to be one of those turn our attention to Leeds, that's going to be a difficult game um, I, I saw a bit of the Leeds game against Catalan at the weekend Did, you know, I think they were 14 up in that game at one stage and, and Catalan's came back so Leeds have been in decent form in the league before that defeat to Catalan so I think for us we played them a few weeks ago it was a very bad tempered game and a a lot of niggle in that game I think we need to learn from that and we need to play Leeds play them a bit of their own game I think we need to be a lot smarter than we were in the home game not get caught caught by them you know not get wound up by them just play our own game and uh, we can get a result there there's no doubt about that we we can win that game and, and hopefully get a few bodies back I think we've got one or two coming back from suspension this week I'm pretty sure Jack Wells is back and if my maths is right I think Dan Sarge will number back I think he's done three matches now Uh Lee Mossop as well so there could be players there you know, you know vying for a starting spot I think the fullback one's going to be a headache for, for Richard I mean Morgan Esquire for me he's played really well the last couple of weeks um, so will Dan Sarge come in or will he move into centre the, there's the, some, some uh, contentious on there you've got Joe Burgess as well who didn't feature against Wakefield he's, he's waiting to come back in the team so It'll be nice for Richard to have that headache, you know, of, um, of sort of players to play, really, rather than having to swap people around and play them out of position. He's got he's got some choices there and some options going forward.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fantastic to see what happens there. Obviously, Richard Marshall has selection issues. If it was you, Paul, let's start with the full-back position. Is it going to be Escalade or is it going to be Sargent for the number one spot?
3: A difficult one. I prefer Sajson at the centre, to be honest with you, Rob. Um, I think he's that's his best position, although you might disagree with me. I think it's a position for him where he won't get as exposed as much. I think at full-back, he gets exposed a bit, a bit too much and he can be a bit reckless at times at full-back and, and I wouldn't want to coach out. And I've said that before, he's, he's, he's a whole player, but... I think he he might be better off in the centre. So, I think I'd probably leave Morgan Esqueray there just because I think he deserves to to stay there because he's played well. So, I think any player who plays well deserves to keep the place in the side. And I I thought he did really well against Wakefield and and Castleford, um, albeit, you know, under strength and this, that and the other. But I think he played well. He looked dangerous. He looked dangerous against Leeds the week before. He scored a good try. So, uh, he's been doing okay. So, I think I'd leave him there. As for Sargison... Christian Inu's playing pretty well, so you're not going to drop Christian Inu out of the centres. Matty Costello's playing well in uh, the last couple of weeks, so Richard Marshall's got a decision to make there. That, I mean, I, I don't know. I, you can't drop Inu. Inu's been absolutely outstanding for me against Wakefield. Lancaster, I think got man of the match with me, both both matches, so Inu has to stay. So it's a choice between Sargent and Costello, and I'm going to sit on the fence, Rob, because I can't decide between the two. I don't know. Perhaps put Sargent on the bench. It's difficult to drop players when they're playing well and I don't think Matt Castello's done anything wrong so I'd probably keep him in. Yep.
0: Yeah. Let's turn to the Challenge Cup final uh, which happened this uh, this weekend. Uh, Paul, Saints victorious 26 points to 12. Classic Cup final.
3: It was a really good game. I really enjoyed it. And I, sorry for Castleford in a way. I thought there was a couple of decisions that went against them and Saints got a bit of luck there as well and you know, casting that first half, I thought they did tremendously well. He was six nil down on the field five, scored a really good try. And then Nile Levels I thought was absolutely outstanding. I said to me, dad in that first half, he's nailed on here for a man of the because he's not putting a foot wrong. He looks so dangerous with the ball, scored a fantastic try. And was unlucky not to not to score another one really. I think he he could he could have skinned the foot of the Saints full back like Coot and he went the other way. So that was unlucky. But his defence was outstanding. Under the high ball, he looks he looks brilliant and you've know, you you've got a guy there who's got to be knocking on the door for, uh, for the World Cup nine levels because he's, he's one of the best full-backs in the league. I thought he was the best player on the pitch on Saturday. So, you know, big, massive raps to win. Um, I felt the other Solver players, the ex-Solver players, did really well in the, in the match as well for Castleford, And they put an awful lot into the leading in 12-6 at the break. So, doing the lead... You know, Saint's got that try right after half time, and that for me seems to take a bit of the sting out of Castleford. And it was more or less one way traffic after that, but a fantastic game. James Roby I thought was great for, for St. Ellen's. He rolled back the years, more you know, 35 years of age. What, what a tremendous athlete, tremendous player he is. Um, there were some great players on show. It was a really, really good game. And I enjoyed the 1895 Cup final before that. Featherston against York. I thought York gave a, a, a massive, a, massive um, test for Featherston. You know, Featherston were. You know, out and out favourites to win that game. York played some cracking stuff. So some great tries. Chris Bryning, ex solver player, scored. Craig Copjack scored. Uh, You know, it was was great to see him on there. Chris Wellerman always injured, but you can see him on the pitch at the end. So uh, a great occasion that. And you know, I hope that's there again next year because it was it was magic to have uh, you know two really good games.
0: Yeah, St. Ellen's first Challenge Cup win since 2008 uh Paul they've got a grand final behind them they've got a challenge cup behind them is this sort of peak saint ellen's uh, at the moment <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think when you look at St. Helens, I mean, I'm not like a massive expert of them, but I know when Justin Albrook was there and Kristen Wolf came in, a lot of people said, how does Kristen Wolf improve this team now? And, um, you know, he's got great players there, blah, blah, blah. But I think Kristen Wolf deserves an awful lot of credit because he's coming to St. Helens and I think he's improved the team. I know... Under under Holbrook, sorry, they, they played some fantastic rugby moved the ball the really well, but they still play that fantastic rugby. But under Wolf as well, they've got that steel The defence is absolutely outstanding, St. Allen. Really is. And um, you know, he's got them playing some great rugby and uh, you know the 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 great to watch, they've got some fantastic young players as well, that you know, Wellsby. Uh, the full-back who came on at the weekend, I thought he did a great job for them. You know, some of the lone lads we've had off them as well. You know, the youngsters there, they, they, they've been marvellous. So, uh, so he's done a great job there at St. Orleans as Christian Wolfe. and they're going to take some beating this season in Super League. You know, the nailed down favourites. You know, Dragons are top of the table. They're they're on a, a great winning run at the moment. Warrington are up there. So it's going to be a real great end to the season. You know, looking into that sort of August, September. Now it's going to be mouthwatering the, You know, the the build-up to the end of the season, great games.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Swinton Lions. Now, they've had a link-up with Manchester Rangers Foundation to help produce better a better player pool to pick from. And with the World Cup coming up, uh, it's great for the sport that we've got these things happening.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. I mean, we heard a lot about the World Cup at Weekend and the BBC coverage and no, it's going to be great to see. It's going to be a fantastic competition. You've you've not only got the, the men's, you've got the ladies, you've got the the wheelchair rugby league as well. It's about time that rugby really, league really put itself on the map. I think with this World Cup, it can do. You know, we're a, we're an inclusive sport, and and, and and you know we really get behind it, don't we? And the communities do as well. So. Let's hope that we really market this well. And we have been doing. I've heard loads of adverts for the World Cup on the radio. And That's great. What Swinton are doing? You know, they need to get links with the community, and uh, they do some good stuff in the community on probably a low budget. They've probably not got loads of money to spend and things like that, but they they do really well. That's a good a good link up for them.
0: Yeah, we got 50 seconds to go. Paul Swindon away at York uh, this weekend. Tough, uh, tough place to go, especially after York losing in the 1895 yeah. Cup final.
3: It is a tough place to go, Swinton's still without a win. But, you know, if it's a good time to play York, it might be now. They might be a bit down in the dumps after that, you know, amazing high going to Wembley and that's probably been a tough week for them, you know, coming back from that. So back down to earth. Swinton might be able to catch them call. I'm sure Swinton's got a win in them, you know, round the corner. They've been desperately unlucky in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, thirty seconds to go. Uh, will the Aussies come over for the World Cup? I hope so, Rob, because there's no World Cup
3: without them really. I mean they're a fantastic side, aren't they? You know, some real dynasties, given us over the years. So I, I really hope so. Fingers crossed, because without them, it won't be the same.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, with the, the COVID situation, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Big thanks for tuning into the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio, Abra Parkson, and make sure you tune in every Tuesday for your Salford sporting fix with us. See you next week.